0: Hi, this is Michelle Karen De Silva, and you're listening to the Unravel Podcast, a place for women to engage, encourage, and edify one another to passionately live out their purpose and destiny in Jesus Christ. So grab a cup of coffee as we chat about all that's raw and real, broken and beautiful, from faith to family, vocation to wardrobes, and everything else in between that God is using of our stories. To make his story known. Hello and welcome to Unravel. I know it's been a while since I was last here, so if you're joining in for the first time, welcome. If you're looking for a way to stay up to date on the latest podcasts, do subscribe to Unravel, which is now available on Spotify, Apple, and all other major listening apps. On today's episode, I'm very excited to have someone very special joining us, all the way from America. If you were present at our last virtual women's gathering titled Luminous, which by the way you can still check out on my YouTube channel, then you know who I'm talking about. She's Indian born, now settled in Texas, USA, and on fire for Jesus. Yes, it is, Sister Rita Souza from the Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ Congregation in Texas. Sister Rita will join me as we chat about everything from faith to vocation, evangelization, and so much more. Sister Rita, welcome. It is my privilege and honor to have you here with us on Unravel.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle. It is a joy to be here. Yes, I also remember Luminous. What a wonderful event that was. And I'm so blessed and happy for this opportunity to share a small part of my story with those who will be listening. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, that small portion of your heart is a huge reservoir of grace for us. So I thank you for your time and your availability, Mm -hmm. sister. Thank you once again for being on the podcast. Um, You know, today is all about exploring your your story, the story of your vocation, and um, in a special way for our young listeners, you know, because it's such a common theme, right? When they're discerning the call to the religious, there are so many questions that young people have. But uh, let's begin with first things first. Uh, You began your journey in Mumbai before moving to Texas. Could you tell us how the charismatic renewal enabled your encounter with Jesus and um, ultimately your call?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to do that, Michelle. It's actually my favorite part. You see, as I was growing up, I somehow knew that there was more to life than what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I couldn't see beyond that misery, the poverty and the problems that plagued my own family then. Um, We went to Sunday Mass, we received all our sacraments, in fact my brothers were altar servers, Mm -hmm. but I would say that we lived a nominal Christian life, nominal Catholic life. I must admit that I did have a few scattered experiences of the Lord in those years that made sense to me only later. However, before I knew that there was such a thing as a Catholic charismatic renewal, in 1979, I had a deep life-changing encounter with the Lord. This was through a Protestant group Mm -hmm. that came to India from the United States. I didn't know who they were. I never met them in person. But I was forced to go to this event by my godparents Mm -hmm. against my will. (laughs) The only reason I attended was because I felt a sense of obligation towards my godparents with whom I lived at the time. Uh, it really goes to show you that God can use anything and anyone and any event and even our reluctance and resistance.
0: I love that. I love that. <laughs> God can use anyone. I mean, looking back at my own life, uh, yeah, the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places. <laughs> exactly. God's ways uh, are so much higher than ours, isn't it, sister? Amen. Amen, Michelle. Yes. And, you know, until then, I had never heard or experienced
1: that one could have a relationship with the Lord and that it could be so personal.
0: Mm.
1: The testimonies of those young people as they were sharing, it was like as though they just had lunch with Jesus. It was it created such a hunger and thirst in me to want and to desire what they had. They were so happy, it seemed, and I was miserable. Mm. with with a background of so many issues, both on my mother's and father's side of the family. You know, poverty, loss of my dad at the age of 12, and my 17-year-old brother who mysteriously disappeared. All Mm -hmm. these things. And to add to that, I had severe asthma that was getting worse every day with no resolution. In the midst of all this, I want to say in parentheses, I want to mention my mother. She was a shining star in my life. She raised us by self-sacrifice, courage, and a deep faith. Even though she would not be able to explain the faith to us, I saw it lived out in, in a way that she took care of us and she educated us. She knew that she had to educate us.
0: Mm. You
1: know, she lives to serve others and she does that to this day at the age of 85. Wow. Really, she is such an inspiration. You know, and for moms who may be listening to this, Your sacrifices and prayers are not in vain. They bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen, yes. So while I was listening to God's word that night among approximately like 14,000 people, I don't know if you remember Cross Maidan, I was working right close by in Mumbai. I began to feel this hope, this joy, and an unusual excitement.
0: Mm.
1: There is something more here, I said to myself, than I had ever experienced in my life until then. It was at that moment, very impuls- impulsively, <laughs> that I li- I felt like I wanted to leave everything and go follow these people. Mm. But praise be to God for my godparents, who said to me, "You are not going anywhere. You come <laughs> to mass with us." <laughs> it sounds familiar, <laughs> Indian moms <Yeah>. and dads. <laughs> so, in, in you know that was our culture. You know, we could not assert our independence from family. It was not part of our culture to leave home after 18, right? So I stayed and obeyed. Yes. Obedience is a safeguard that protects us from making wrong decisions. And I realize that now, so many years later, right. that, you know, when God asks us something through our through authority, you know, obedience is a, like, like a wonderful thing. Right. So that night when I got home, it was almost midnight. I could not sleep, really something inside of me awakened. So I asked my godmother if we had a Bible at home and she pointed to a book on the shelf and said, I think this is the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was a New Testament called the way, you might be familiar with it. Yes, yeah. um, yes. It didn't matter to me, Catholic or Protestant, I was devouring the word of God. The first scripture passage that my eyes fell upon was from Matthew 6:33, 33. said, seek first the kingdom of God and His way of holiness, Mm -hmm. and all these things will be added unto you. You know, I had heard that passage many times before in church, we even sang about it, but God spoke to me for the first time through this passage, and my eyes were opened to the fact that God, that what I was doing was all wrong. I was doing it upside down. Mm -hmm. I suddenly realized that I had to put God first, and all the rest of my dreams would follow or be added. You know, until then, I was putting my dreams first and my desires and all that. And then God was in this thing called this Sunday mm. box or compartment. You know, someone I tried to please by fulfilling my obligations, so that he would not get mad at me, right? Mm. So, so Michelle, this I would say was what I would would become the beginning of yeah. all things beautiful. You know, new life burst forth from here on. Jesus became real to me. He was—he is real, but he became so real to me. Yeah. From that moment, I opened my eyes in the morning until I fell asleep at night. I was falling in love with him. Then in his divine providence, I heard about the Catholic charismatic renewal in the church. In fact, the, this Pentecostal experience was just becoming a wildfire in Mumbai. You know, David Mangan, who visited our community some years ago, he shares of his experience at the Duquesne weekend in 1967. He says that, you know, saying that he just happened to be, quote, at the spout where the glory came out. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel the same way. I was in the right place at the right time. But I strongly believe that these are also God moments. Mm -hmm. It's his ways, his opportunities, his grace. And he does it over and over again in our lives. So here I am about 42 years later, wanting Jesus even more. I was all in then, and I am all in now.
0: Wow. 42, you said?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You probably, that's your whole life, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah what yeah. it is like to just I don't know that's like that's like you've made it to the promised land like that's ah. it like wilderness <laughs> is done <laughs>
1: well <laughs> you, yeah I wish I wish, I wish
0: huh? yeah it's yeah. so so beautiful I love the part of falling in love I think I think that yeah. is how it feels like isn't it at that first encounter you've you just don't want anything else like you fall mm-hmm. in love. You want to leave your boats behind. You're so irrational sometimes. Yeah, uh, Like you just want to like, no husband, no kids, like no one. <laughs> just Jesus and yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's,
1: that's who God is. He just, uh, there's something awakens inside of you. Yes, right?
0: yes. And that's what happened. Yes, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this quote from St. Irene yesterday that says, the glory of God is the human person fully alive. And yes. uh, for such a long time, I just always wondered, like, what does it mean to be fully alive? And then, you know, as we grow deeper in the Lord, uh, you know, to be able to discover your true self and to be awakened, like you said, and to yeah. have a, a, to come to a place where you say, I'm in love, you know, yes. and I'm not <laughs> afraid. Like, I'm not afraid of what this love will demand. Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like for me as well, like looking back, um yeah. I just love that, you know, the right place at the right time and sometimes I think we can be so compartmentalized when it comes to encounter. Um, It's just like Philip, isn't it? Uh, You know, finding this eunuch in the, I don't know, in some weird place and, Uh you know, just wherever. Like, it's it's so funny how sometimes we expect God to be in a certain place, but uh, in the most unlikely places we find encounters. Like, even for me, it was this private cell group um, yeah. they were not part of the church uh, they're still catholic but they're you know like not affiliated to the church but that's where mm-hmm. i encountered the lord you know this bubbling uh, joy and like you said you know being at the right place at the right uh, time isn't it you call it the kairos yes. of god so so you are part yeah. of the disciples of the lord uh, jesus community in the texas yes um yes. could you mm-hmm. share with us the story behind uh, the religious name and what the vision of the community is? Yes,
1: you know our religious community is directly the fruit of the Catholic charismatic renewal in the church. It's a post-Vatican community, mm. it's a newer community. Right? So Mother John Marie Stewart, our Foundress, also had a dramatic life-changing experience in 1965. You know, she was an intellectual <laughs> mm. and she had so many degrees and all this. But shortly after she heard of the Pentecostal movement in the Catholic Church, even before they began to call it the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. You know, she, she was baptized in the Spirit, and she went across the country to many conferences and Bible studies and mm-hmm. events in the United States, mm-hmm. and also to see what the Spirit was doing. In fact, in 1975, she was in Rome at the International Leaders Conference where there were 10,000 leaders on the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. In that short, short span of eight years, there were leaders from all over the world wow. it's it can, it's not a human thing it is about right. it's absolutely
0: you know? yeah
1: yeah so one day she was at a retreat in a poor clare monastery in memphis tennessee in january of 1972 you know we date the beginnings of our community on this mm. january 22nd that time that the lord gave her a very long prophecy over a number of days and she wrote it down so we call that document now our founding document, but it mm. was a prophecy given to her as a charismatic gift. No? So in one, of the, one part of that prophecy, it says, tell men everywhere the story of the cross. I don't know if you have seen our habit. We have a cross in our belt. Mm. And it says, bear your name, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the sign of the cross, knowing that true disciples of mine will suffer much in my name. Do not be afraid of what men do to you. Fear only that which can destroy your soul. Do not expect the world to approve of you. Rather, rejoice in their disapproval. Bear humiliation gladly and patiently. Persevere in love and be strong in faith. And that's how we receive the name of our institute, you know, directly from the Lord through Mother John Marie. She made sure to tell us that we are not disciples of our Lord, but of the Lord, mm. because he is not just our Lord, but he is the Lord of all. Amen. That every knee shall bend and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord. Lord.
0: Yes. Right? Amen. 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 So beautiful. Yes. I think so yes. beautiful. I love the part of, uh, you know, write your name, uh, yes. you know, next to the cross, you know, tell everyone. Yes the story of the cross and bear your name with it. I think, you know, it's, um, I think all of us come to places in our life, no where we have to stop and really say, what is it? What does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, because if we don't, you know, if we take the cross out of the equation, no wonder sometimes we, we lack joy, um, in our charity, in our service. There was a friend of ours, um, who called like two weeks ago? We were chatting about, uh, of course, the the media ministry, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about m- modern evangelization. Something happened. Yeah. I c- can't remember where, which direction the conversation took. And he said something uh, like, he said, you know, when I look at you, I just remember two things. He said, remember blessing and burden and you'll have both. It was so beautiful. Uh Like, I've never heard of that. He said, you're such a blessing, but you'll carry such a burden. And he said, I can see that in your life, but it's up Uh to you to embrace it, you know. Uh, And sometimes he said, we tend to embrace only the blessing. Sometimes we feel like Mm -hmm. we're embracing only the burden, but we actually have both. We have the blessing um, and the uh, burden. And I thought it was very, um, very profound, right? Very profound in our journey. So, sister, what are the core charisms of your community
1: yes sure yeah and i really love that blessing and burden Mm. you know burden you could also interpret that as a cross no embracing the cross and jesus said if you wish to be my disciple take up your cross and follow me yes take up that burden but he also said the burden is light right amen (laughs)
0: amen yes
1: yes so the charism you know we express our charism in three three phrases like prayer Praise and evangelization, and you can see the contemplative dimension in prayer, the charismatic dimension in praise, Mm -hmm. and the apostolic dimension in evangelization. So, we are a contemplative, active community, and that's how we express our charism. So, these three elements are dominant in our community life. You know, we have mass and liturgy of the hours every single day with two hours of personal prayer and the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. That's our daily part of our daily horarium. And we also have a prayer meeting once a week, and then we are available to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads us through mm. the discernment of our superior and her counsel. You know, we, we don't lock ourselves into jobs that will keep us there from nine to 12, from nine to <laughs> five. But, um, And the mother told us that, Mother John-Marie, and it is in our constitutions, too, that we will be available to do whatever God wants us to do. And that will be discerned, of course, by Superior Council. We get many requests from so many people, but they discern which ones we accept. And so so we live by faith. We don't have schools, hospitals, or anything. We live by faith that he will provide what we need when we need it. And Mother repeated this to us many times, something that the Lord told her in prayer. He said, you take care of my business and I will take care of yours. Mm. And so it is. We live by that promise that he has not failed us. And we know that he never will. One day on another podcast, I'll tell you tons of stories of this faithfulness of Jesus.
0: I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. I'm going to take that personally for me. You take care of my business and I will take care of yours. I think I'm going to just put it down in my journal. I think I need it especially uh, in this uh, season. I always say, I always tell these young people, you know, like when God calls us, he equips us. Sometimes we are so afraid of the call and what it might demand and we find ourselves so, I don't know, like unworthy or not equipped or inadequate. But, you know, God already approves us. You know, he he approves us and then he calls us. How beautiful is that? Like he equips us, empowers us, then he calls us. And, exactly. And we only have to come by faith uh, isn't it knowing that he uh, has already planned uh, you know whatever he has for our lives.
1: Yes. Yes, amen. And you know he like you said he doesn't need our ability. Right. He, you know you just it's his call and he but he needs our availability. Right? Yes. He needs our willingness. He needs our yes. Yes. You know and that's the gateway to to his graces just pouring amen. into our lives. If we say yes
0: like Mary did. huh? Yes. No, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love young Mary's, uh, yes, there was this once, uh, I remember there was this young priest who said, uh, he was uh, just pointing out like how, you know, the young people today, you know, they say yes in this, Sort of like, oh, well, I have to do it. You know, like when you say take yeah. garbage out, like, well, yeah, okay, fine. You know, I, even my own daughter, like I see sometimes like very obedient, but like very chronic obedience, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> yes. which is not at all joyful. Like she does it because she has to. But Mary's mm-hmm. yes is so like so interior, isn't it? It's like full of trust. And uh, yes. it's so driven with the fact that says, you know, you have it all planned and you are good. Uh, and all yes. we do uh, is to trust you.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know, that's the ideal. That's where we want to get to, know. But it's okay. We do things reluctantly in the beginning. Right. As long as we are growing, right, to that yeah. perfect yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, talking about this yes and this call to evangelization, it was very interesting. I think Pope Francis in the last month, in August, uh, the month was sort of dedicated um, for evangelization. And, um, you know, we know that it's the church's deepest apostolic mission, right? As the catechism says, you know, the church exists first and foremost, uh, you know, for mission. It's missionary in nature. Uh, Sister, what is your Mm -hmm. view on uh, evangelization today? Because there's such a lot happening, especially with modern media. I think we've taken on like, like it's like a whirlwind today. You know, The, the word, the moment you hear evangelization, like... Um, yes. I don't know. It's become like glamorous in, in some ways, but uh, it's also evolved, I think, over the years. Uh, so, what yes. would you say um, is happening, you know, in the world of evangelization today?
1: Yes, you know, it's the buzzword, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> evangelization makes us feel important. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, but yet it is, it is, like you said, the catechism states it and that it is the, the church exists to evangelize. You know, Mother John Marie would tell us. The church exists to evangelize, therefore a disciple exists to evangelize. Mm. And we could say that to every Catholic, right? That we exist, our mission is evangelization to make Jesus known. Those were one of his last words. You know, he cried out saying, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to all men. So that's evangelization. But I think sometimes it can get muddled up in this idea of evangelization evangelization like you said with the hype of the media right you know there's so much good on the media just like you are using it for for proclaiming the good news but there is also so much there's so much heresy there's yeah. many things happening there so when I look at how God used Protestants to pro, who are proclaiming the gospel to change my life you know they were I think they were even anti-Catholic but mm-hmm. I think to myself that the good news is so good and okay. it's for everyone okay. You know, and we as catholics we have the fullness we have it all we have been established by jesus on the rock right the church that moves us under the power of the holy spirit you know i, I sometimes think how come i didn't know this mm-hmm. before you know god has this timing for every single person but if those people didn't didn't proclaim the gospel on that day you know and jesus didn't push me through my godparents, you know, I would forfeit so much. And I think a lot of people are forfeiting um, so much by not knowing Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and the church whom he established. Um, So for a long time, I think in general, evangelization happened through parish missions. In India especially, during the Lenten season, and that's because the majority of the people went to church, Yeah, you know, the Redemptress for one. They, were, they preached fiery sermons. I don't know if you remember that, but yes. it was in my time. <laughs> that moved hearts to conversion. Lenten missions moved us to conversion. And, you know, speaking of the, you know, we would hear the passion of Jesus, what he did for us, and it would move our hearts. Sometimes out of fear. I don't want mm-hmm. to go to hell, right? Yeah. Uh, but many times there would be this desire to grow closer to mm-hmm. a God who loves us so much. You know, lives changed for the better during Lenten missions. But we must say that in the 60s, a little before the Vatican Council, too, the world was changing rapidly with the drug culture and free sex society.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the God-given gift of sexuality started becoming a commodity for pleasure rather than for fulfilling the purpose of God giving this gift you know, for creating a family within the sacrament of marriage. So I think the 60s, 70s, and 80s were decades filled with confusion, and it was in this confusion, you know, like you see what Jesus says, no way sin abounds, grace abounds all yes. the more. In this confusion that the Lord sent us Vatican councils to and the charismatic renewal, whose focus and mission is the same you know, as the church's mission.
0: Right.
1: So holiness, calling each of us to a personal holiness and proclamation of the gospel. So if you remember St. Pope John XXIII's prayer, he is also one of my favorite saints. Mm-hmm. That he sent he, he sent this prayer to all the bishops of the world to be prayed for the Second Vatican Council. And a beautiful line there that said, and it is repeated many times in the charismatic renewal, Lord, renew your wonders in our day as by a new Pentecost.
0: Amen. Amen. I think just hearing those words, you know, it kind of, it does something to your spirit, isn't it? Yes, yes, Yes. renew your uh, wonders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like, Lord, uh, do it again. Like, with your spirit, like, rekindle the passion in our hearts, like, renew, you know, renew the face of the... The earth, like once again. I remember when we were in Rome in, uh, for the Charis, uh, you know, when the uh, Charis uh, was being instituted, the first Charis mm-hmm. meeting. We had, mm-hmm. I think, 75 countries there, which was really amazing. Amazing. Leaders yes. From 75 countries. And not just uh, Catholics, because we also, you know, Charis is sort of a consortium, right? Like Pope Francis is yes. bringing this ecumenical uh, unity, and so there were Anglicans and uh, you know, you had uh-huh. other denom uh, leaders and you cannot imagine how that feels like, you know yeah. like, yeah. when you talk about like uh, we were, the people were hailing, uh, you know, these calves in the air and singing, Jesus is Lord of all the earth, I am telling you people were uh-huh. sobbing, people were sobbing, yeah. because the reality Beautiful. the reality of a new Pentecost which is so different from human mind, right what God yes. has ordained for his people um, yes. And so, just to renew, I think the Lord is really renewing uh, His wonders in in our day. Uh, really, there's a new Pentecost. I think, uh, yeah. sort of, unleashing the charis, and it's just only about us. I think, um, like you said, being awakened and being aware. I think. Uh, yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: and you know, our sisters were there for that for that charis oh. gathering too, and they came and shared with us the same same sentiments as you're expressing. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, Father Khansa yeah, I mean, was there. He's, of course, uh, you know, so great as always. Uh, but he yes. came and he kind of like set this stage on fire when uh, he just, uh, he shook us up. Like he shook us up with the whole aspect of we have to come together. Like we have to be united uh, no more like no more divisions like no more barriers because this new Pentecost oh. is about a new people he said new heart a new spirit and we all mm-hmm. felt it like we all felt it there
1: amen how beautiful yeah how beautiful yeah you know God did answer that prayer right in a, that very dramatic way by sending this what they call the new current of grace to the yep. church, because the charismatic renewal has no founder or founder amen. except God Himself, no. Amen,
0: amen. And
1: so, so as far as I know, there were so many, there are so many post-Vatican II co- religious communities that have sprung up, just like us, you know. But we were the first charismatic religious community that was approved by Rome in 1991. No, it was really a historic day because, you know, in the beginning we felt like the church was not accepting us, but like the charismatic renewal, it sounded like it, although it mm. was not true. From the beginning, they were accepted us. But it was a historic day for the charismatic renewal and the church. So I feel we began to sense the urgency of evangelization also in the modern era through our recent popes, right? Pope St. John the Twenty Third, St. Pope Paul VI, who wrote the beautiful document. Those are my favorite documents, Evangelii Nunciandi, you know, evangelization in the modern world. And of course, Saint John Paul II, the hero, all-time hero, who taught us by his own example of circling the globe with his efforts to reach as many as possible, and who proclaimed the good news until his last breath. You know how he encouraged young people all over the world. I don't know how he did it. It's the grace of the Holy Spirit. it is. You know, so the Holy Spirit does all the work of evangelization, and we are just his instruments. I always tell. Um, the Lord, that I want to be an instrument, ready for Him to be used at any time, anywhere, and all the time. You know, and believe me, He does. If you sincerely turn to Him, He really does.
0: No, no, so, absolutely. I so agree. Yeah. And I'm, you know, talking about evangelization. I was in Panama in 2019 for the World Youth Day, Day. We were leading there, and uh, sometimes I think because of um, it's just, you know, modern evangelization. For example, you know, you have these certain notions in our head that um, you know it's being infiltrated for example with secularism or the materialistic yeah. side in the church and but there you know sister first yeah. of all a third world uh, country um, yeah. and then thousands of young people just yeah. you know shouting out you know the church is alive you know Jesus is alive oh. Jesus is Lord these are young people it was I so know. humbling it was so humbling yeah. that no matter I say, like, no matter what is going on in our world today, like, nothing can stop the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is unstoppable.
1: Amen. If only,
0: if only it, like, it, because we are vessels, you see, like, and it doesn't matter how much of modernization I think is being infiltrated into the realm of evangelization. At the end of it, I think, is a human person, right? And if if I say yes, then I'm yeah. contributing to that whirlwind because I saw it there. I said, I said to myself, like, we have so many notions about how to reach people. Um, yes. But it just begins with a yes, where I am. Because the, the reality is before us, the Lord will do his work. The question is, are we going to be in that whirlwind or not? Because the Lord will do it. The Lord will continue. The, Lord will the Lord's, Lord's work will always continue. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, know I agree fully with you. You know, we are... A, is the church is holy because the Lord, the Holy Spirit is guiding it. The church is sinful because it's made up of us, right? Yes. So, so he will. the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And the work of the Holy Spirit, like you said, is going to go on regardless, regardless of us. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I also think like a big challenge today is that even in the Charismatic Renewal or in the Catholic Church, they're good people, but they're not becoming holy people, mm-hmm. they're not becoming
0: saints, no? Yeah, yeah, I think that is something, I think that the renewal, honestly, um, there's been a trajectory there, isn't it? Like from the way yes. you know, where it began in a very humble setting, yes. holiness was very foundational to their growth, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now, you know, the whole pursuit of, say, spiritual growth and advancement and prayer group development and all of that, I think somewhere down the line where I see it also is I think more of because I think the word of God is not preached with power mm-hmm. and with conviction and without compromise. I think mm-hmm. holiness is sort of like it's it's threatened in a way because we are preaching mm-hmm. the word, yes, uh, yes but we sometimes I think are compromising or we have like this you know, diluted version, like let, let's not offend people. Uh, you yes. Know? And we can remain frozen like that, isn't it? Like we, like yes. you said, you know, good people, yes, because we've encountered the good Lord, yes. God's goodness is within us, but that's not it, isn't it? Like God wants us to be holy people because without holiness, exactly. transformation is not possible. Yes. Yes.
1: And, you know, like Saint Sebastian said, You know, he said, all you have to do is to be a soul in love with God and thousands around you will convert. Mm -hmm. You know, personal holiness and personal sanctity. You know, Jesus said you cannot love God and mammon at the same time. Yeah. You know, so you have to let go of one for the other. So I think in a charismatic renewal, besides the power of the word of God that is not preached the way it should be preached, you know, it's like a watered down version. Mm. There is also the distraction of mammon, right? The distraction right. of the world, yeah. whatever that might be, you know, materialism or, you know, pleasure or whatever. But we want to hang on to both. No, we want to hang yeah. on to God and then we want to hang on to these things. And this is, we cannot play it both sides of the fence. We have to decide which side to choose yeah. choose one or the other and give it your all. No, yeah. that's what God wants. God wants people. Who are, who are committed and who persevere and who trust Him and who leave all behind for Him.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, then be sure to join us next week for the second part of this episode as we continue to chat about vocation and mission. In this next episode, friends, Sister Rita candidly speaks about her own vocation journey, as well as busting some myths and stereotypes about the consecrated life. I thoroughly enjoyed listening and learning it and I can promise you it's a real treat for anyone who's seeking valuable advice on their calling and in particular calling to religious life. Until then, goodbye and God bless.